This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Satan will not flee if he sees that you are in charge. He will not flee if he sees you are in charge, doing things in your own strength. And we tend to think we can do things in our own strength, don't we? That's when we know that we need the Lord. That puts us in a place where I need to submit to him. And so who's in charge? Satan was going to say, who's in charge? Oh, Eddie? (laughs) Piece of cake. Have you ever had a boss or manager that you knew wasn't going to give you any problems? You just knew when they were in charge, it would be smooth sailing and you could get away with anything. In today's message, Pastor Eddie explains how when you try to take charge, the devil will not leave you alone. If you try to do things without first relying on God, you're making it easy for Satan to come in and manipulate you. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 4 as he begins his message, Drawing Close to God. James chapter 4, verses 7 to 17, in where James is going to tell us how to put the principles of humility, the principles of humility into practice. You know, our frustrated search for pleasure uh, causes us to war and fight. We saw that. Uh, We know as we study back in verses 1 through 4, chapter 4, but the cure is the grace of God. And so uh, James writes in verse 6 of chapter 4, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, God's amazing grace not only is given to us at the time of salvation. We're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. But when we come to Christ, God continues to give us his grace. And it's the grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And this is the grace that we need and is given to those who are humble. And if you are proud, it's hard for God to give you his grace because you're proud. You think you can do it all. You think you're smart. <laughs> and that's what happens. That's what the flesh tends to lie to us, doesn't it? And so we need the grace of God. So here in verses 7 to 17 of chapter 4, James is going to give us the things we need to be humble, to put our humility into practice. It's a part of our character as believers in Christ. And so let us read James chapter 4, verses 7 through 17, and then we'll look at it and study it line upon line. James writes in James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your ignorance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. For those of you who are taking notes, we're going to look at three things, three things in our study in verses 7 through 17. In verses 7 through 10, verses 7 through 10, it is the call to humility, the call to humility in verses 7 through 10. In verses 11 and 12, do not judge a brother. Do not judge a brother. That's in verses 7 and 12. And in verses 13 to 17, do not boast about tomorrow. And so we read the text. Let us now look at the text verse by verse. James chapter 4, verse 7. Let us look at the first word here in verse 7. It says, therefore, therefore, James begins this section of his letter with the word, therefore, this section of our, this section of, uh, of our study connects us with the previous verse uh, we studied last week, particularly the verse, uh, uh, verse 6 of chapter 4, where it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And saints, we need to uh, know that we are called to be humble. We should be the most humblest people on the planet. Uh, pride closes the door to spiritual growth. But God resists the proud. However, humility opens the door to spiritual maturity. And uh, humility is a grace that attracts more grace and more grace and allows God to give us more and more grace. When we humble ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a place where, hey, we trust in the Lord. When we're prideful, we're prideful for what, for what reasons? We tend to think that we have the wisdom that we, that we need. And, and that's, that's just fine. We, we just have everything that is needed for us to be self-sufficient, to look uh, better than others, to not depend on God. That's not humility. And so, therefore, as believers in Christ, James tells us how to put the principle of humility into practice so that we would not, so we would receive God's grace upon grace. And so, James is going to do that by giving us a list of obligations, a list of obligations. And there are six listed for us in verses 7 and through 10. Uh, so, let's look at them. And let's look at the first obligation he gives us. The first one is to submit to God. He says in verse 7, therefore, submit to God. That's the first obligation. Submit is a, to submit is a military term. It means to be subordinate, to, re, to render obedience, or to get into proper rank. And so we must stop the relationship with the world. That's what we've studied last time, in our last study. And be subject to God, ready to listen, obey God and God alone. When we become believers in Christ, when we were saved and we were born again, we surrender everything to the Lord. We surrender our lives, our will, everything to him. 
For when there's no, no one better that we could submit to, and when we surrender our lives and say, Lord, here I am. You have taken my place of the cross. I surrender my life to you. You are my Lord and Savior. We need to humble ourselves. And so that's the first one. We need to submit to the Lord. And that's a sign of humility. Submit to the Lord. That's the first obligation. And this first obligation will help us with the second. The second is to resist the devil. So he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word resist is another military term, and it means to battle against. And so the first, to, we first must submit to God, and when we do submit to God, we're able to resist the devil. And the word resist here means to battle. It doesn't mean to run away or stay back. It means to battle. And if we don't submit to God, we won't, be, won't have the ability to resist and battle against the devil. Now, you yourself, we, are, so we can't. You know, personally, ourselves, we can uh, defeat the enemy, Satan or any of his demons in and of ourselves. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You understand? Because, you know, we're talking about demonic powers. They're very powerful. But because of who's in us, right? Greater is he than he who is in the world. Greater is he, the Holy Spirit, who's in us than he, Satan, who's in the world. He's the prince of the world. And so... If we don't submit to God, who is our commander of chief, and I say that because we have two military terms here. If we don't submit to his will, we don't submit to his ways. If we're disobedient to him, if we're out of rank, out of rank, it is impossible to win the battle against Satan. Satan will not flee if he sees that you are in charge. He will not flee if he sees you are in charge, doing things in your own strength. And we tend to think we can do things in our strength, don't we? That's when we know that we need the Lord. That puts us in a place where I need to submit to him. And so who's in charge? Satan was going to say, who's in charge? Oh, Eddie? <laughs> Piece of cake. All I got to do is, is tempt him with a cheeseburger and I got him. You know? And so he knows. You know, Satan can't read your mind, but he knows our weaknesses. He studies us. The, the enemy studies us. You can't read your mind, but they know what buttons to press. They can say, oh, last year when somebody said this to him, ooh, did he really flip? Oh, I know where to get him when he drives his car in New York City. <laughs> Boy, he's a sailor. Worshiping God on Sundays, he's a sailor Monday and Friday in New York City. <laughs> uh, so he knows. And so what he's going to do, he's going to cause... <laughs> All kinds of people to cut across you. Every cab in New York City will be in front of you for sure. <laughs> when we submit to God, you know, that puts us in a place where we're in prayer, we're in the word, then we submit to him, and then we're able to defeat the enemy and, and resist any temptation that comes our way. And the evil one, he has no choice, no choice but to flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. For we belong to the army of the living God. Always remember that. This is a promise. The Lord's not going to say flee. So what, what happened? Well, Lord, you know, I was resisting him, but he didn't. No, it's a promise. But, you know, you need, you need to understand you need to first submit to God. And knowing that it's not your strength, but the Lord. And so we have to submit to God. We resist the devil now, the third obligation, I think, is one of the most beautiful out of all. 
Um, it, it is something that we probably have in our refrigerator. And many of us quote this. And, and it says it in verse 8. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. One of the most single, uh, beautiful single sentence in the entire Bible, amazingly powerful. And understand this, saints, this is a promise. This is a promise. You draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And we we need to understand that this is God himself who invites us, he calls us to come near to him. You know, as a pastor for many years, I, I've heard people come to me and they would say, you know, Pastor Eddie, I try to get close to God, but I don't feel him. I, I don't know if he's interested in me and it just seems that God is so far away. I have to lovingly, gently, very kindly, very patiently quote Romans chapter 3 verse 4 where it says, certainly not, indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. Because that is going completely against the word of God. If God gives you that word, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Well, you see, this is the truth. This is God's word never returns back to him void and never hits the ground. And God promised that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. An anonymous uh, pastor or minister wrote these wise words. He said, God is great, and therefore he will be sought. He is good, and therefore he will be found. And we find that in scripture that whenever we get close to God, uh, he comes close to us. As a matter of fact, he's always calling us to him. The children of Israel, the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Enoch is a perfect example. Enoch was one who walked with the Lord for three Hundred years. This is before the flood. 300 years to the point where the Lord said, well, Enoch, we got this far. We're closer to my home than yours. I'm just, let's put that in. And he was no more. He was not. He was not. Saints, listen, you can get to clo- as close as you want to God, as close as you want to. When you draw close to God, God draws nearest to you. When you search for God, God is there to meet you. When you take a step further into his presence, God takes a step closer to you. When you pray to God, God is there listening to you. When you open the word, when you open the Bible, God is there speaking to you. God is always there, always there. Whatever you want in a relationship with God, For yourself, you can determine, every single one of us, based on this promise here in verse 8, you can determine how close, how intimate, and what level, what height, what depth, and what width, you can determine your relationship with God, and God will meet you right there where you are. One commentator writes this, God is passionately seeking those who passionately seek him. We can never say, well, I try." Well, you know, 
The flesh is weak and the spirit is willing. That's what Jesus told his disciples in the garden when they fell asleep and he went to pray. We are so consumed so much with the world around us. We're so consumed with, you know, with work, with school, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But the only way you're going to get help in those things is if you first meet God. Seek ye the kingdom first and all his righteousness and all things will be added to you. But we need to have a relationship with the Lord. And that is what it is to be a Christian, a relationship with God. And so that is the third obligation. The fourth obligation is in verse 8. He said, cleanse your hands at the end of verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> I love James. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he's from the Bronx. I'm just sure he's from the Bronx. <laughs> Double-minded here describes someone who tries to live two contradictory lifestyles, one in the world and one in the church. And we saw that, you know, to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. But there's always a tendency for us to want to go back to the world or do look at the things of the world, look at the things of the flesh. You know, children of Israel is a perfect example of that. God delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt. Set them free. They were slaves. <laughs> they were afflicted. They were being killed. Their firstborns were thrown in the river. And yet they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back. You know, as believers in Christ, we cannot be of the world and in Christ. We can't be double-minded. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul writes this, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Two different things. You see, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us, a transformation takes place. And what is he saying here at the end of verse 8? Cleansing. There's a cleansing, there's a, a washing, and it speaks of the uh, being cleansed inwardly and outwardly. And it's that, that combination we find consistent in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the cleansing and the washing is to be ceremonially cleansed, okay? We find that it's, it's to purify. In the Old Testament, the priest uh, had to be ceremonially cleansed before he administered any work of the Lord in the temple or for the people. A person, uh, uh, if, if a Jew were in contact with lep someone with leprosy or touched a corpse or contact somebody who was unclean or anything unclean, there's a whole list in the book of Leviticus. It's hard to keep up. And they were unclean, so they had to be ceremonially clean. Or if someone wants to convert to Judaism in the Old Testament, they would have to be ceremonially clean. And, 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 and so here, we are called to uh, cleanse our hand. The hand speaks of our actions. It speaks of what we do outwardly. We need, that needs to be cleansed. And then we need to purify our hearts. And of course, the heart represents the motives, the desire inwardly. And if we start with that, you know, we know we won't, you know, fulfill the things of the flesh, right? Remember, as we studied last week, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so here, what is calling when this cleansing is actually uh, is called to, to repent of sin and return to God. And so when we yield in confession, we've, when we yield and we forsake all sins, both outwardly and inwardly, uh, we stand right before God. 
And the good thing is that God does that for us. He does that for us. Now, we're cleansed from the very beginning. We're made righteous before God, so we repent of our sins, we're born again, but we continue on, don't we? God is calling his people, be holy, therefore, for I am holy. And that's hard. It's impossible without Christ, without Christ, that is. But I, I don't know about you, but I fear the Lord in everything I do, whether, whether it's my thoughts, my actions, things that I'm, I'm not doing, things that I am doing. I want to live my life to honor and glorify God. So uh, when I do draw near to him, I could draw it closer and closer. He comes closer to me. But I, you know, I, want, I want to be pure before him. Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend into the hills of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or to other gods or to the world, nor sworn deceitfully. The Lord spoke to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Wash yourself, make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. God is calling us away from things that are evil. And we know these things, but the flesh is attracted to it. If we need help in these areas for to, to be cleansed, you know, we can cry out to the Lord as we draw near to the Lord, right? We get closer to the Lord and the Lord speaks to us. You know, it's like I picture a child, a two-year-old, you know, Parent calls, the mother calls the, the child, the child runs, and the mother's excited, hugs the baby. Now, the, the two-year-old, the two-year-old actually is a, is a mess, just got out of a, a mud pit. And as the mother's just hugging the child, just cleaning the child, we get close to the Lord. God, you know, you know, we, we, we know we want to be right with God. We want to be one with him. We want to be pure. We don't want to offend God uh, because, you know, we're being renewed day by day. But I love the psalm. The psalmist did the very, very, that very thing. In Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, he writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord, search me. Come before the Lord, you know, in prayer. You know, I like to use the acronym ACTS, like the book of Acts. Adoration, A. You know, instead of going, you know, we, we go in prayer, Lord, I need this, I need that. Oh, you know, we, at work, I had this guy, every time people would see him, the first thing they start talking about this, and they say, he'll say, hey, first things first, how you doing, good morning. <laughs> you know, John and I was talking about that. You know, it's like, you just can't go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need this. God knows your needs before you even ask, but you know, is God a genie in a bottle, or is he, we have a relationship, we could say, Lord, you're great. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of James. This book is like a giant mirror that forces you to take a good look at the true you, challenging you to reflect in actions what you talk about on a daily basis. It's not enough to make a statement of faith. It must be lived out. Do you struggle with matching your behavior with your beliefs? We'd be honored to come alongside you in prayer. Won't you call or email us? All the contact information can be found on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Again, 
That's runningtheraceradio.com. Running the Race is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Here's Jessica to tell you more about how you can partner with us beyond listening to our programs. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Service times and directions are on runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition with Pastor Eddie and Running the Race.